If you're new with us this week, we are continuing a five-week teaching series uh, called Won't You Be My Neighbor? We're on week four. Next week's the finale. But I am really excited to share with you something that has been personal to me uh, this week. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles or power one on to Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. I'm eventually going to get there. Because I, I want to I talk about what it looks like to actually live out the things we've discussed the last three weeks. If you're new with us, we looked at the story of the Good Samaritan. How it was the irreligious Samaritan, not the religious priest and others who went to the side of the road to meet the physical needs of a hurting, of a hurting person. And that for those of us today, to be a good neighbor means to live and love well those who are hurting and broken and lost. And we've talked about some incredible things. Didn't Pastor David do a phenomenal job week two talking about forgiveness and kind of laying his story out there and his heart out there? Last week, Pastor Darren did a great job, too, just talking about, like, what it looks like to be kind. But here's what I know. We could talk about what it means to, to, to actually pray and study Scripture about kindness and mercy and repentance and forgiveness. But living it out is a whole other thing. That's hard. It's where the rubber meets the road, though. If you look at the end of the story in Luke chapter 10, verse 37, the Good Samaritan story occurs, and the guy asks him of the priest and uh, the, the, the Samaritan and the three men in the story, who was the neighbor? He, he tells him, look at verse 37 with me. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. The one who had mercy on him. So the irreligious Samaritan, if you weren't here the last few weeks, was the one who had mercy and was a good neighbor to him. And then look what Jesus says, and this is kind of our theme for this morning. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. See, it's one thing to talk about forgiving people. It's one thing to talk about being kind and merciful to people and loving broken and hurting people. It's another thing to actually do it, isn't it? Would you agree? And I can't speak to you. There's a reason I don't do that. Because sometimes I don't want to. I heard the story of this pastor. It's a true story. I'll uh, call him Pastor Tony, who was a prominent communicator. He was asked to speak in Honolulu, Hawaii. And he got off a plane late in the middle of the night and went to a local diner at 3 a.m. And he overheard two women talking to each other, and he realized that they were prostitutes. And one of the women, her name was Agnes, and she was uh, sharing how it was her birthday. And so he overheard her talking. And so after she left, he went to the owner of the diner, and he said, do you know those two women that were in here? And he said, yeah, they're, they're regulars in here. They're really nice people. And he said, well, I heard that it was Agnes's birthday. What if we threw a birthday party for Agnes? And he was like, oh. I love that idea. They're in here all the time. They're so nice. They're great business. I, I, I would be willing to invite people or like her friends and tell them to get the word out. If you would go get the decorations and you can use this diner and we'll throw a party for her. And so this pastor who got off a plane found himself at a diner at 3 a.m. planning a party for a prostitute. So the next day he went to the store and he got all the you know, streamers and balloons and stuff to decorate for this birthday party for Agnes. And the owner told all of the friends of, of Agnes, and at 3 in the morning, they had a packed-out diner, uh, you know, all dressed up, having a birthday celebration for Agnes and all of her friends. And afterwards, 
the, the owner went up to the pastor, and he had never asked anything about him. He said, well, what do you do for a living? And he said, I'm a pastor. He said, you're a pastor? He goes, do you realize who all those people were? He goes, what kind of church are you a part of? And the pastor Tony told him, I'm part of a church that throws parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. in the local diner. And the owner looked at him and he said, I'd want to be a part of a church like that. If you look at the heart of the, the gospel, we're using, you know, won't you be my neighbor, this uh, theme that you all are familiar with from growing up as a kid, maybe, or raising children of Mr. Rogers. And Fred Rogers was actually an ordained Presbyterian minister. But really, all he did was just live out the life that Jesus encouraged us to live out. And he had a particular calling to minister to, to children. And so that's where the television show came from. It was his way to live out the ministry God had called him to. And so we've been talking about what's it look like to love your neighbor well. Well, I, I want to encourage you that all Fred Rogers did was just look at the Gospels and the life of Jesus. And he was constantly ministering to people who are hurting, broken, and lost, throwing parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. in the local diner. And if you don't believe me, look at Matthew chapter 9. Verse 9. You ready to study God's word together? Come on now. It says this in verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat in, with tax collectors and sinners? Now, little uh, context here. We hear tax collector, we think IRS, we don't like them, right? Like, this is way worse than the IRS. The tax collectors were the people that had sold out to their Roman oppressors. And they would go and they would tax the Jewish people the money that the Romans wanted, but then they would tax them even more and take money off the top. So the Romans got what they wanted and they were happy, but then the tax collector would steal from everyone in the community. It was a Jew stealing from Jews. It meant that Matthew was a guy that was stealing your grandmother's retirement. And Jesus, thought to be the Messiah, comes into town. He not only hangs out with Matthew, he goes and has dinner with all of his friends. These are the worst sinners in the community. Nobody likes them. That was how Jesus lived his life. In fact, if you go on, it says in verse 12, on hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. A direct quote of Hosea 6 that we're going to look at. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What would your life look like if you were to live out Luke 10, 37, to go and do likewise? Jesus hung out with the sinners and the prostitutes and the people far from God and the tax collectors, and he didn't just hang out with them and say hi to them and was kind to them. He actually invited them into his life. They were his best friends. They were the people that hung out. What would we do today to Jesus? If we were to go and do likewise, what would people say about you? See, there's a reason we don't do and live out what we've been talking about, and that's what I want to discuss together. There's a reason I don't, and there's a reason you don't, and let's address it and be honest. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for every person in this room right now that breaks the cultural norm in today 
that have come together to worship you, and we can't even get everybody a chair today. And so I just pray, God, that you would honor their courage, their faithfulness. Some of them haven't been in a building like this in a long time or ever. It's their first weekend here. God, may, may we honor that. May your Holy Spirit speak to them through Scripture. May my words get, be taken away and replaced with what you desire for people to hear. We acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit here with us. We pray that you would use us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's family said, amen. You know, as I was preparing this message, I'm just going to warn you, this was one of those messages that really spoke to me, and it's been kind of convicting me all week. You know, sometimes I just come up here and I make stuff up, but like this weekend, God was really speaking to me about my own life, and then it was like on Friday, I, I knew exactly what I needed to share, and then yesterday happened, and I almost got another technical foul in a fifth grade basketball game that I'm coaching. And it was 100% the ref's fault. No, it was 100% my fault. It was definitely my fault. And I just made a fool of myself. And I just, you know, this stuff we're talking about, it's hard. It's hard to live the way that Jesus lived. There's a reason that we don't do it. But if I can be honest with you, the most horrific thing I ever went through in my life was one of the greatest gifts spiritually I ever got. When we moved here from California to start the church, many of you know our story, we lost a son. He only lived two weeks. And we were so broken, emotionally vulnerable at that time, that we had no choice but to just fully rely on God. And we just turned to him in desperation. And every relationship, I saw a reflection of what we were going through. And I knew that there are so many hurting and broken people in our world that it just started coming out naturally in our lives and in the early launch team that we had for that first church, it was, it was an incredible season. I can remember when we were at College Avenue and 105th in this little building that we used to meet in. And, and this problem we're having, we had the problem almost every single week. There'd be people sitting on the floor because we didn't have, there was no way we we're gonna fit everybody. We did five services in this tiny, tiny little building. It was nuts. And I can remember during that season, it was just a part of our DNA and culture to do what we've been discussing. But it took courage it took acknowledging the temptations of the enemy and responding and fighting back spiritually. I remember the stories of like at, the, at College Avenue at the building, getting up and every uh, day for lunch, I'd walk over to Subway and just thinking about who's God going to use me to talk to today. And I, I remember Mike who worked at Subway every week and I just got to know him and invited him to the church. And, and then he invited his friend Jenny to the church and I, I believe one or both of them gave their life to Christ and got baptized in a horse trough in that building. So like what we're talking about, it was just part of who we were. And, and it wasn't me, just me. It was just a lot of the people in those early days. And I realized in the last six weeks, we have just had hundreds and hundreds of new people. We, we started these two churches, the downtown location in the Northwest. And, and this location grew in the middle of that. And so if you look at the total attendance, we're having like 300 more people every week than we were two months ago. And, and those 300 people aren't always the same 300 people either. So you may be brand new here this week. We see that God is doing that right now. The book of Acts is still today. But what I want to encourage you to do, if all we do is attend a service, and, and, my, and I and you, if we don't get the heart for the Lord to invite him in, to living out the things we've discussed the last three weeks, to go and do likewise, it will be for nothing. And that means you got to make time. There are reasons we don't do it. My, my, uh, I saw David Rothenberg. He was an usher here. Uh, I love to not ask permission to talk about him and then talk about him. 
There he is, right back there, because he gets mad about it every time. But D David, when he first started coming at College Avenue, he was uh, an agnostic person at the time, grew up um, in a different faith background. And we used to meet just to talk. He thought I was going to convince him by debating to know Jesus. And instead, we'd just hang out and talk, the two of us. Uh, he called it a small group. There was only two people. But we, we did it for several years, and we just kept meeting, and eventually, uh, you know, I didn't do anything. The Lord just called to him, and he responded, and he gave his life to Christ and got baptized, and, and he's led a mission trip and serves here. And, and I was sharing this at the first service, David, like, because he is such a voracious reader, he's a lawyer by trade, so pray for him. But he, <laughs> my dad was a lawyer. I could make lawyer jokes, David. It's okay. But he... Uh, he, he just reads all these theological books, and he's now teaching me sometimes. Like, that's just, that's just what happens. That's the spirit of God and what he can do in people's lives. It's why we're doing what we're doing. And so if you hear nothing else, I believe that last phrase in Luke 10, 37, go and do likewise, is the most important verse to me in this entire five-week teaching series. Because if we know all the right teachings and we know all the right scriptures, but we don't go and do likewise, it doesn't matter. And so I was reflecting on all those stories, and I realized that there are people just like David in this room right now, sleeping giants of the faith that are awakening the reality of Jesus. And we're doing a whole teaching series in March dedicated to that. And I believe that God is awakening you, and you don't even realize yet your potential and what God could do with you. But it's going to take living out the way that Jesus lived. So let's look at the way Jesus lived in Matthew 9. The first point I'd like to make is Jesus saw Matthew. He saw Matthew, and then Matthew, on the other hand, responded by following him. Look what it said. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew. How often do you walk by people in work or at your kid's school or in your neighborhood, and you, don't, you see them, but you don't really see them? You don't take the time to acknowledge what they're going through and walk towards them rather than away from them. I don't know about you. As I get older, I get more jaded and calloused, and I do more of this and try and walk away than I want to. And I've been challenging myself to make time, to make space, to be present with people, to minister, to love them right where they're at, to not walk away from their problems but walk towards their problems. There is a reason most of us don't disciple other people, and the reason is because we're inviting their junk into our life, and it's easier not to do that. And I want to encourage you to do that, to walk towards it, to see them. But then Matthew had to actually follow, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Jesus sees him there like the, the worst of sinners. Follow me, he told him. And, and Matthew got up and followed him, which is pretty insane to do, to see this random person walking through town. But he saw what the, he, uh, the Spirit was doing through Jesus' life, and he followed it. And I think responding to what the Spirit is doing in your life sometimes is the hardest thing to have the courage to do. So I thought the best thing to do would be for you to hear from someone who is actually living this out right now. And they're in kind of this ambiguous state of going, okay, God, I've done something with my life for two decades, and I believe you may be calling me to something new, and I've begun to dip my toe in the water, and now I'm going to just say, God, use me. And uh, you may have seen him on uh, local television. He was a CBS news anchor for a number of years. He's been a broadcast journalist for two decades. You may not know he was an ordained minister in North Carolina and has done quite a bit of ministry. 
and I'm pretty excited to interview him and what he's going through. But it's Frank Mickens from CBS News. Uh, here is a, a one-minute video of his last day on set as he's stepping down to follow what God's calling him to next. Let's watch this. We have some news. Yeah, we have some news. Uh, it's uh, bittersweet news. So today is my last day here at CBS 4. So this is my last morning show with you folks. And uh, my wife and I are kind of stepping out on faith and asking God what he wants us to do next. So we'll see well, we're excited what happens here. There's big things in your future. Oh, no. Look at your highlight oh, reel. Wow. Do you see those moves? Yeah. See, the what? low light reel. Oh, <laughs> wow. Mm. See, how does, all this, how does all this breaking news happen when I'm off work? Like, I come, like, it's Frank's last day. I'm like, oh, welcome <laughs> now back. Now we know. <laughs> okay. we, planned it, we planned it that way, Rachel. Uh, no. It, it, it really all was a sudden thing, um, so it wasn't planned to be that way. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, honestly, my wife and I, we prayed a lot. And we were like, you know what? Let's just make a decision. And we went mm-hmm. with it. So. Well, I think Hoosiers are going to miss you for yeah. sure. Our viewers mm-hmm. are going to be asking where you oh, went. Well, um, but I'll no. be on social. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're hoping for an update soon. And yeah. I, I know there are big things in your future. So congratulations well, on the new adventure. Thanks for the Yeah, and sometimes the best things in life are unexpected. So I can't wait to see. We are expecting something. Right. We'll yeah. see. We'll see so, what it is. Yeah. Everybody, we'll put your hands together. Give a warm welcome to Frank Mickens as he comes up here to the stage. Oh man, that was great. Uh, you know <laughs> what you saw up there on the video, dude. You're like that all the time. You just bring so much joy I'm to a everybody. Weird guy. Yeah, I'm kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, but so you kind of stepped down from a career, sort of. You want to tell us why you did that? Can I be 100% honest? Like, I'm usually 95% honest. Um, We don't know the fullness yet, but I do know it is full-time ministry. Hmm. And I'll say we arrived at that in the last, like, seven days. It has been a long, hard wrestling match with God, and I enjoyed every minute of it. (laughs) I did. And and as you've wrestled with God, you've gotten to this point, because, you know, Everybody has different influence uh, out there right now. In fact, we've got a survey for you that you could take that we could get to know your influence and your background, our influence audit. Uh, You could actually text Mercy to, uh, if we can get the video up there, you could text Mercy to this. uh, They'll put it up here in a second. I'll explain it. But we want to get your influence audit to know kind of where you're at with all this. But so tell us what's been hard about that as you've had the courage to step out like that. That's not easy. The hardest part for me through discovery, a lot of time just sitting and listening to God, and I came to this realization that I had gotten to a point in my faith where I had supplanted God beneath money. And so, yeah, I had done ministry work, and I had gone about two and a half years of not doing any consistent ministry, and I thought it was because I was putting my family first, and we had transitioned from another state, and we've got three little ones, and so I was trying to help with transition. So I had come up with my own, like, excuses but it was because my heart had been shifted into the wrong direction and I had made a little God. And so when God made me sit down and not work and rediscover my relationship with him and get to the point where I said, okay, whatever you want, let's do it. And he just kept taking me back to my plan. You know, I I was, I would mentor people and I still would tell them this, but I'm going to 
go to get somewhere. Yeah. You know, like, do you have a plan? Three year, five year, 10 year. Where do you want to be in 10 years? And then plan for that. And all of my plans were about money. I had stopped, I had stopped dreaming about what God wanted me to do for him. Mm-hmm. It was all about the 401k. It was all about the retirement plan. Oh, we want a beach house or all that. Mm-hmm. And now, dude, it's like whatever you want, Lord. <laughs> I so, know. Yeah. I mean, you go without a paycheck for two months and just saying, okay, God, yeah, what, what's next? That's so, it. Tell us, you're doing something really exciting. He launched uh, a ministry and website just yesterday on Leap Day, and I want to encourage everyone to go to this website right now. It's faith-feed.com, faith-feed.com, as he's kind of allowing the Lord to use this journey he's taking you through to hopefully inspire other people to do the same sort of thing. Say, God, what are you calling me to? So explain a little bit what's happening with the ministry insight. So really our heart is for people to, to take faith one step at a time. Our mission statement is putting faith in action one step at a time. It doesn't matter if you're agnostic, atheist, or you've been in church 30 years. God's calling us all to please him by faith. The Bible says that, that it's what pleases him. Faith is what pleases him. And so we get stuck. I love that story, you and David. And just, we all get stuck on something. And God is saying, you know what? Bring wood to the fire. Give that thing up. Let me take it. And then watch what I can do with you. And that's our ministry, man. We're about faith. We're about power. We want people to operate in power, to do what you're talking about right now. Reach people for Christ and and be authentic and life-changing and radically different than anything this world can provide us. That's what we're about, man. Oh, I love it. So... Last question, like if someone wants to, to actually, if you had a chance just to, to challenge everybody here, oh, wow. how would you push them? I didn't ask you this at the last service, so I'm putting you on a spot here. But how would you push everybody here to actually go live this out based off of what you've been through the last few months? I'll read the story of the rich young ruler. And the thing that God puts in your heart when you read that story, that's the thing you need to give to him. If there's, there's, there's always something So you look at Abraham and Isaac. Abraham went to worship. God said, I want you to take the son you prayed for and I gave you as a miraculous sign of your life's purpose and I want you to give it to me. Kill it. Kill him. And he goes up and he says, we're going to worship. Somebody needs to hear this today. (laughs) You want to find God? That thing that comes to your spirit that you know you just don't want to give up? Give it to him and let him deal with it. Don't worry about it. And then you'll see how he can change your heart. I'm living it right now, dude. I'm going just crazy for whatever God wants me to do. And I'm willing to make a mistake if that's, you know, whatever. We'll just do what he wants us to do. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, that was good. I got to ask that at the next service because that's like really powerful. I want to go pray right now. But go, go live this out, guys. And I encourage you, go to faith-feed.com. And then also, uh, next weekend, especially at this service, uh, you know you, may not, you know he's a phenomenal communicator, but you may not know he preaches. He's going to be preaching next weekend at the Northwest location. Don't miss it. Both services, Northwest location uh, next weekend. Can I we will think- wear shoes that I will wear shoes next week. <laughs> yeah, it's holy ground, it's man. It's a I know. story. I don't can know we, how that Can happened. we thank Frank for being up here? <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. His story has been inspiring me for the last couple of weeks and just reflecting on my own life of getting to that point of like, man, I want to be desperate like that again. 
And so if we're going to actually live this out, uh, I, I, I mentioned the influence audit uh, video. I think it was my fault they didn't have it up. Are we good now, Matt? Okay, yeah. This is really important. We want to encourage everybody to uh, text MERCY to 317-526-4520. Do that real quick. We're not going to blow up your phone with anything. This is just you're going to get access to a special survey to help us understand like your spiritual gifts and your talents and abilities and what the God has placed in your life. Because by the end of this, you're going to see why we believe God wants to use you to transform this society around us. And so it's really important. Please, 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 everyone today, uh, take this. You can even zone out for the next few minutes. The, the sermon's not that great. So zone out. Take this influence audit. That would be awesome. Uh, the second point I want to make, though, is that Jesus didn't just see him and then Matthew followed. But you actually get Jesus went to Matthew's oikos. Jesus went to Matthew's oikos, and point number two if you're taking notes. The word oikos is something we use. You should have gotten an oikos card on your seat. And uh, the Greek word for household in the New Testament is the word oikos. And it's the 8 to 15 in your sphere of influence. Maybe far from God, may not know the Lord yet. Maybe other people just like you. But those people in your sphere of influence that God has supernaturally, excuse me, supernaturally placed there to impact them. And part of it is inviting new people into that oikos who may be far from God. That if you lived like Jesus did, people might say, well, who's, who's he, who's she hanging out with now? You sure that's a good idea? That's the way Jesus lived. Look at uh, verse 10 with me in Matthew chapter 9. It says, uh, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Do you see the word uh, house there, Matthew's house? It's literally the word oikos. Why do you think Jesus invited himself over for dinner? Was the food that good? He knew that it, befriending Matthew, he was also going to get to go hang out with his sphere of influence, who were probably also like Matthew. And he made it his priority to, to hang out with them right where they were at. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. There are hurting sick people in our lives right now. Do we see them or do we just walk by? Do we know the right biblical answers, how to show forgiveness, how to love people where they're at, how to be a kind person, but we don't go and do likewise? Jesus gives up his chance at power and popularity by inviting people like Matthew into his crew, into his oikos, right? Think about people in our society today. Who are the social outcasts of today? Lawyers, I already mentioned them. Could be the poor. Could be the incarcerated. Could be people with addictive habits. Could be, and if we're being honest, the LGBT community. Who, who are the people today, if we're honest, I mean, nobody really likes the one percenters, right? Like, there's a lot of social outcasts that we don't even acknowledge. And while we don't dumb down biblical truth, obviously, what does it look like to be a friend to sinners the way that Jesus was? To go to the home of Matthew to hang out with them, to throw parties at 3 a.m. and diners for prostitutes. That's the way of Jesus. 
And if we're not living that out, if we just have the holy huddle, if we just come together and we have church attendance, but we don't see impact made, we'll, we'll, never, we'll never see the church of Jesus Christ lived out the way that we desire today. If we go ahead and put the next slide up, I want to talk about this for just a second. See, point number three, if you're taking notes, he desires mercy and not sacrifice. He desires mercy and not sacrifice. If you want to write that down, it said in verse 13, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the righteous, not call the righteous, but sinners. See, here's where I'm going with this. To live this out is difficult and is hard, and it requires mercy and not sacrifice. The Jewish community, the way they had sacrifice, they gave of their burnt offerings. It was the way that they worshiped God. And they thought this is what it meant to be a good follower of God. I give my burnt offerings. I do what he asks of me. It doesn't matter how I treat people. He says, what I desire really is for you to live the way that I am living. To show mercy to those around you. To go and do likewise. That means if we're putting it in our context today, tithing is a good thing. Church attendance is a good thing. Studying your Bible is a good thing. We can connect with God that way. Uh, volunteering on our first impressions team or hospitality team is a good thing. Leading a huddle or an outpost or a rooted group is a good thing. But if we do all of the things that good church people do and we don't love people in our sphere of influence well with mercy and grace the way that Jesus lived, we are not living the way he called us to live. That's what it takes of us. And when I think about this, of someone who actually is hanging out with social outcasts the way that Jesus lives, I, I think of my friend Ethan. And most of you don't even know Ethan, or Ethan Fernhaber. I've got a beautiful picture of him. This is literally the highest quality photograph I can find from him online because he has no photos. He, he, you don't even know who he is, and he has had huge influence in the life of our church. And he is an extremely successful business person, and he spends most of his hot time hanging out with formerly incarcerated people, people who are hurting and broken and lost, weeping with them over the loss of their family or friends. The guy lives this. I've seen it. for. He's not perfect. None of us are. But he's trying to follow the way that Jesus lives. And I don't know about you. It doesn't matter about all the propaganda I could get on social media or our church attendance or the way that things look around us. If we're not loving people well and hanging out with the hurting and broken and lost in our community, if we don't go and do likewise and we just know all the right answers, we are not following the way of Jesus. And I think for me, it's gotten convicting because I, I saw those early years, I had, a, I had no choice but a desperation on the Lord because of what we were enduring in our personal lives and because we were planting a church and it required it of, of, it, of us. And I've seen over time how as I get older, I do a lot more of this than I do of this. I just want to encourage you, invite some people into your life that need the love of Christ. I look back at the things I am thankful I did in my life, and it was always making time for people like we've been describing. And maybe you are Matthew today. Maybe you're the one that just needs to invite Jesus over to your home to invite him in. You thought you had to be perfect, but all he's asking of you is to live your life with mercy and grace in fact, Micah 6.8 says it this way. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do all the right things and be 100% obedient. To act justly and love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. 
Why do you think that is? Because it's the power of God living through your humility that changes lives. I know that firsthand. God wants you to live with mercy, not just attend a service. He wants you to become a world changer. He's calling you to a different lifestyle that people, when they look at you, they no longer see you. The old is gone. The new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17, he wants to see Jesus in you. And when I'm doing it well, you get a glimpse of it. When I'm out at the fifth grade basketball games, you don't get much of Jesus. I got convicted. I want to encourage you. You're not perfect. You're not going to be. So I thought I'd just be fragile enough to share reasons why I do and don't go and do likewise. Here's why I don't go and do likewise like Jesus. I'm really busy. I'm tired. I've got family commitments that are very important to me. I even have a physical excuse. I'm deaf in my right ear. Did you know that? So... I'm like, well, I don't want to go talk to him because maybe I hear him wrong. And I, you've got excuses too. I know you do. It's a good excuse. And then sometimes if I'm being really honest, the real truth is I just don't want to. Because I got other opportunities that seem more fun in my life. To see someone, and I know the conversations of walking with someone through the hardships that they're facing. But there were also 17 episodes of Netflix that I got to catch up on. Let me tell you why I do go and do likewise sometimes, though. Here's why I do go and do likewise. I love God. I do. I love God. I know I do. The Holy Spirit moves. And sometimes when I'm actually obedient enough to listen, I get a glimpse of what the Holy Spirit's doing. I'm like, I want to be a part of that. A lot of times we suppress that because of the enemy. It's a little bit of what Frank was describing. That I go and do likewise, sometimes I do it because I'm aware of the enemy's temptations, and I can acknowledge and spiritually fight back against the desire for popularity or pleasure or power. Jesus gave up all that popularity in his community, all the power in his community, the moment he made his friends, those sinners and tax collectors. No person of good standing was going to think that he was a popular person any longer. He gave it all up. That's the hard part. That's why we don't do it. The final reason I do go and do likewise is because I, I do have a desire to be obedient. And you, you may be here in a Christian and you're not perfect just like me. And you may have that desire to go and be obedient. But you need the overflowing of God in your life. And let me conclude with this because I want you to see where Jesus was going the gospel of Matthew chapter 9. See, he does all these miraculous things. After he hung out with Matthew, he made time for him in his oikos. Then look what happens in verses 35 through 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, this is really important, the harvest is plentiful. See, we think we live in a dark time, a dark age, and it's true. There's a lot of broken and hurting and anger and animosity and war and sickness and all that stuff, right? But the good news of Jesus tells us through Scripture that the harvest is plentiful. It's the workers that are few. So what's he tell us to do? Ask the Lord of the harvest, verse 38. Therefore, go to send out workers into his harvest field. Guys, 
Ministry is actually really easy. You make time for people who are hurting and broken and lost. Be friends to sinners. You invite in the unlovable, the social outcasts in your sphere of influence, and you just love them with no agenda just right where they're at. And when they ask why, you tell them because of Jesus. This is what we do as part of the Church of Jesus Christ. We throw parties at diners at 3 a.m. for prostitutes because we want you to know that you are loved. That woman was the only birthday party she ever had thrown for her in her entire life. And she just responded in tears. And I want to tell you, when the Spirit of God is on the move, using you, and you're not just a church attender, and you become a harvest worker, I want to tell you, some of you need to put your bootstraps and strap them onto your feet and get ready, because when we're talking about these hundreds of new people in the life of our church, it's not just our church. These Multiply Indiana churches are spreading rapidly. There are other fantastic churches in our community. The kingdom of God is at hand today, just like it was 2,000 years ago. What happens is the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. we got to start praying to the Lord of the harvest, use me. I, I, we, we, you know, Frank didn't dictate what the Lord called him to. He may have called him to something different, but in this season of his life, he said, do what you want, and the Lord called him to something difficult, and he's having to have the courage to walk through. When God calls you to something hard, you're going to have the courage to face it, to be obedient and surrender to him in that moment. If you can't do that, we can't go and do likewise, and you will never become the person God wired you and created you to be. And I'm telling you, you are wired for it. You, there is, you have all the potential in the world for it. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit in your life is enough to face whatever it is that you're facing. If you came in here and you're the Matthew in this situation, I want to tell you, my friend David teaches me today just a few years later because of the life change that God did in his life not me and he could do it in your life too and you will go on to reach your whole household that party that was happening in Matthew's house he's going to use you to do that in other people's lives I can't wait to see it happen I'm just going to ask that all of us right now just respond to the Lord in prayer will you pray with me God I just I, we love this church we love you God we put you at the center of everything that we do and God I know that there are some people here that they just need to surrender everything in their life, whether it's to commit their life for the first time or just to say, I invite your Holy Spirit in fully to my life now. Use me, God. Use me. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You might not have the platform of Frank. That's what God called Frank to do. He's got this particular gift and influence. But God is calling you to influence how you can. And so if you want to give that up to him and say, use me, Lord, pray this with me silently as I pray it out loud. God, I confess I need you. I want more of you. Forgive me for giving into the temptations of the enemy. And I surrender my life to you fully. And I invite your Holy Spirit fully into my life. I'm strapping on my spiritual boots this morning. I'm going to get to work to harvest God. Use me, Lord Jesus. We pray to you, the Lord of the harvest. We pray this in your name. And all God's family said, amen.